Do you obsess over barbecue? Or maybe you're just getting started and want to learn more. Light up the pit and join me, Kurt Mueller, lifelong barbecue fanatic and competitor on the pro circuit as I have the most passionate people in barbecue from pit masters to restaurant owners. Join me on the show, sharing their barbecue journey, their unique tips, tricks, timelines, and techniques that will make sure your barbecue gets better every time you fire up that grill or pit. Welcome to The Barbecue Life. Welcome into The Barbecue Life, powered by Hound Hogs BBQ Supply. Check them out at houndhogsbbqsupply.com, at houndhogsbbqsupply on Facebook and Instagram. So it's a pleasure to welcome in Stephen Franklin of Das Barbecue. He's the pitmaster and founder of Das Barbecue. They're based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And I first have to give a lot of credit to Tony McGee for connecting us. Uh, Tony runs uh, Why Not Georgia Barbecue on Facebook and Instagram. And he is all about supporting Georgia Barbecue. So thank you, Tony, for making that connection. And Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. So let's talk about it. So I always like to start with journey. Uh, I don't know why I'm always fascinated with barbecue journeys, but I am. I think it's pretty neat just to understand how somebody got to where they are. So how did all of this barbecue start for you? What was that journey like? You know, it's that's a it's such a big question, but I'll give you the real, sh- you know, kind of the, the condensed answer. How about that? Barbecue is a family thing for, you know, for me. And my father and his side of the family are all from not too far from where you're at. Well, a little far, but anyway, it's um in southeast Georgia off I-16, Metter, Georgia, and Stillmore, Georgia. So you, you kind of automatically qualify just, just by having roots there. But not everybody's a barbecue junkie down there. So, and then you go over to my mom's side of the family, who's from deep uh, central and south central Texas. And there is a bunch of history there including barbecue as well. So we just got a bunch of family in-laws and outlaws and between Georgia and Texas kind of covers a lot of the states. And so Thanksgivings for me, for instance, as early as I can remember, were uh, digging a hole in the ground, cinder block on either side. And, in a, in a, you know, the first, I, the first memory I have was, was about a 150 pound hog come, comes in, gets delivered. And here we had dug these, you know, as kids have dug about a six inch hole in the ground and uh you know you know the rest of that so just watching my my dad and his two brothers he's got one younger brother one older brother they're all you know freaking out so real uh, just realizing at an early age that that whole hog barbecue is quite a commitment so i kind of that was kind of my introduction to you know to to really doing it on your own and then fast forward through the years going out to texas getting exposed to texas barbecue but having that young that young impression that oh that's not barbecue you know that's beef barbecue. oh they i guess they just smoke steaks you know I, I didn't know the difference when i was really young so you know it's uh not admitting that that was barbecue until fast forward much later but my father got really into it and i would go every time we would go down to the farm and still more you know he'd swing through swainsboro and you know two out of he would stop at three places and, and you know we couldn't eat more than half a sandwich <laughs> as kids. And uh, my friends still joke about it today. Like he didn't care. He was just on a mission. Uh, kind of like you said, Tony McGee, you know, you just either have that itch or you don't. And so he would stop at a bunch of places, you know, from sweats, barbecue over in Soperton, which I hadn't been around in over 20 years, but 
um, to these you know, places that I think we probably got sick or should have gotten sick. So, um, you know, there's the, a the little hole in the walls attached to a, a laundromat. And, but it was just this experience. And he, got, he, he kept getting more and more into it in his own backyard. And when he was, when I was really young, like four years old, he would host students of his. He was a business professor at Emory University. So he started having people in his backyard. Him and my mom started hosting, you know, quote unquote, barbecues. And because he had, he bought this house, that had an old built-in brick pit on this patio. Didn't have a clue how to use it. I, I don't know that I would venture to try to use that thing either it, if I were to go back in time. But anyway, he he started getting in more and more into what we call barbecue. He bought one of the first commercial batches of the green egg. It was actually a red egg, like a it turned to like it was almost kind of like a clay color, right? It, and I think that was as early as like 1979 or 1980. So watching him in the backyard just just doing a terrible job trying to smoke meats and smoke, you know, try to find cuts, right? Just, I mean, just being the guinea pig and, you know, over, over the decades and having people in the backyard and mom would eventually let him start serving that uh, quasi edible barbecue to the students and to <laughs> friends and church members. And, and then he got real serious into about 1990. I think it was he, um, we, before Google, I tell people, you know, before Aaron Franklin puts out the meat smoking manifesto and before, you know, and way before that, when Myron has a bunch of books out there uh, and you have Dr. Barbecue and all these books I would get, these are my Christmas presents, my stocking stuffers, right? All these barbecue books, I've got a library. But before, you know, if you didn't have a father, mother, friend, brother, whatever that was buying you those books, it really was just all word of mouth and trial and error, Right family recipes, secrets, or or if you knew about the competitive circuits, that's where you'd go find the real competition secrets. So dad gets certified barbecue judge, Memphis and May and KCBS, and starts judging. He has all he has tons of Delta miles that he can fly. He flies all over the place. So he, he got certified and he started judging one show after the other. And what we realized, what he was, he finally admitted when we said, why are you doing so much? You don't get paid to do it. And we realized he was just trying to get his own barbecue from a you know solid B minus up to a solid B plus or maybe an A minus. And so he would have my, he got to know Myron. Myron came before he was uh, a movie star. Myron came two or three times to uh, my dad's cul-de-sac. He would hire him to come do a mock trial, a whole hog contest for his sales people and friends. And uh, so, you know, we just had this unbelievable access to to this compet this competition side of the east coast barbecue i mean look no further than myron you know That's i right. can't remember who all he met on the circuit but he judged the uh you know the jack daniels invitational three times he you know big pig jig several times uh, memphis and may several times and you know everything in between and then of course he did a lot of kcbs you know blind contests and those were my favorite because i'd invite my friends and we would get the leftovers after he took a bite out of everything and then he'd pass the pass the box to the window and um, you know, we would we would chat out on the rest. So that just became a family affair. And then he would go down to the farm and Thanksgiving and just kind of sit back quietly and let let the rest of the family kind of eventually learn how to sort of do whole hog okay. But when they finally took his advice, it got real good. So that was, you know, and then I, I absorbed a lot of that. And through the years, uh, I, you know, I would borrow the smokers, the trailer smokers. Some of them were really good. Some of them were really bad. Uh, he, he's got a barbecue man cave that flavors magazine did a piece on that 
you know, it's just every, it's like the, it became the test kitchen for DOS barbecue. So, you know, it's just in the family in a, in a, you know, like some people are really into golf Well, he was really into barbecue. So, yeah. And then, I love that. That is uh that's a heck of a way to start. You know, you, you start right out of the gate with a whole hog. I mean, I don't know of any other, uh, anything more difficult than to start with a whole hog, you know? So I think that's, I, I started with a Weber char- charcoal grill and, and some steaks and burgers. So Hats off to you, man, for for starting with the whole hog. But but I love that because we've got seems like so many folks that come on the show, whether they are competitors, whether they are entrepreneurs, restaurant restaurant owners like yourself, uh, whether they're promoters or wherever they are. If they're if they're in the barbecue space, chances mm-hmm. are that they that that you know that that came from a very early age. So I always think that's pretty cool to hear those kinds of stories and, you know, hearing about your dad judging, you know, you're talking about iconic uh, competitions, you know, Memphis and May and uh, pig jig and the Jack. I mean, those are, those are like the, the bucket list items for a lot of the, you know, a lot of the competition folks. So I'm curious where, let's camp out on the name DOS barbecue. What's behind the name? How did that, how did that come about? That's a great question. And I get it. Anytime I'm at the store, I get it several times. So um, again, uh, there's a story behind everything. When you come over to DOS, I'll show you at either store. There's there's a lot of nuances in the story. Um, it's, it just takes too long to, to to answer. But the simple version was a nickname I acquired when I was a little bit of a, maybe a lot of a hellraiser at UGA. And uh, I was quoting a you know, scene from a movie, Clerks, back in uh, when I was in uh, Innsbruck, Austria for a summer program. Uh, study program with a bunch of UGA hooligans, friends of ours. And um, this character in this movie was had a song called Das Berserker. And so I, you know, we were all, I was, I was just quoting the movie being a, you know, being a clown and I, everyone starts calling me Das or Berserker or Das Berserker and Das, Das became the easy nickname. So that was, that just kind of stuck with me. And there's a deeper part of that story where I, I pushed that kind of nickname background away from myself because like I've been uh, sober about let's see 11 years and three months I had to you know I had to really reset life but you know my cousins were calling me my niece and nephew was uncle Das hey cousin Das and it like it wouldn't quit and so eight let's see nine years ago when I was in the brand strategy business and I was buying URLs just for fun I bought DOS barbecue thinking, you know, when I retire one day, I better get the URL and, you know, this DOS thing's not going away. So let's just, I was in the graphic and strategy business with heavy, you know, really good, really talented uh, designers and strategists at a, a brand agency called Sun and Sons here in Atlanta. And I just bought the URL and I thought, you know, graphically, it's kind of like, you know, three letters, three letters, you can do a lot of things with it. And so, but it's just it kind of almost like a redemption opportunity of, of of bringing that fun name into the sobriety part of my life, which is really all of my life and the real story of my life the last decade and a year. Um, and so what I didn't know at the time is I'd be officially using that name to start a brand. Uh, when I left the brand agency and the agency, my best friend from growing up, Wade Thompson, he said, hey, if you decide to do this barbecue thing, let me do the brand work. And as people and friends of mine in Augusta even know that uh, Ware Stewart, I don't know if you know, uh, the great brand, another brand agency that that, that I love, friends of ours, uh, Alex Ware and Daniel Stewart. Um, 
as they will know, that's a real uh, hefty ticket to create a brand and really do it right as far as the visual identity, the story, the at the you know, graphic assets, the all that. So I, you know, when when it came time to move on from the, the brand agency and scratch my head and say, what am I going to do next? Just through a lot of fear, uh, a lot of asking other men that are mentors of mine to just be real honest with me about what to do that, you know, in the marketing world, the brand world, or one day when I retire barbecue, that, you know, it was just this overwhelming, man, you should do this barbecue thing because you're passionate about it. You're versed in it. You you can't help but be okay at it. You know, I don't know how bad you are at it, but you probably get better. And, um, and it just kind of, it just kind of brings all these elements of my life and the, my story uh, together in a way that um, maybe it could allow me to to have a chance to be the best human version of myself that I could be uh, on my spiritual quest uh, to just be a good human and to others. And what a better way to serve others through something I love so much. And uh, knowing that the restaurant business is tricky, it's tough, it's really tough, but also knowing that I love a challenge and there's nothing I can't do, uh, you know, when, when the power greater than me is, uh, is kind of calling the shots and I'm just showing up and, and doing my best, man. So that's really how DOS barbecue now. So you got the funny kind of redemption story background, but also in the German you know, side of the family in the Texas roots of my mom's family, right? Texas barbecue in a nutshell, you can go, there's lots of information there, but Texas barbecue comes from German and Czech settlers in and around central Texas, right? And Lockhart, kind of the Mecca, right? Uh, the uh, You got New Brunsville, Luchenbach. I mean, you start hearing all these names and as we're visiting more and more out there, I realize there's this, um, th- there's the German roots of this story. Got to know, you know, met Aaron Franklin, had my book with me and uh, he signed it. And he looked at it and he goes, holy cow, I've never seen a book this, u- my book this used. I said, well, you said to use it as a field manual, Aaron. And I took you, I obey. And it was, uh, you know, to getting to know the Black family, you know, uh, Clint Black and, um, and son-in-law, Eric Linderman, they were real nice to us. To People are just out there, were taking us in the tours, you know, Smitty's and Kreitz and, and getting to know Roy Perez. And I realized, wow, man, they're not just good hospitality people, but they want you to see the opera, Right. That in, in most of these Texas joints, we go to Luling Meat Market, wherever you're going, they invite you to the pits if you just simply ask, right? So I started putting that together when I started really formulating the, the name and the plan of DOS Barbecue can be really a tip of the hat of not taking ourselves too seriously, but also honoring that the German origins and uh, of the Texas lineage of barbecues and the Texas temples. And that's where it became more of a serious name, right? More of a more of a robust story of, of that side of, you know, we're, we're building our own smoke family smokers out of used propane tanks, thousand gallons, 500 gallons, two fifties, three thirties. And it's, you know, it's a real, and brisket, right? Brisket is the ultimate sustainability story. It is the, one of the original sustainability meats, right? It's, it was pickled. I mean, look at what happened in the Northeast with, uh, you know, places like Carnegie Deli. And then you look at like, you know, Smitty's, over in Lockhart, Texas, you know, those were once butcher shops and to survive the depression and to, you know, survive the, uh, the, the grocers that came in and started you know, butchering and selling whole butcher animals and they couldn't compete with that. The ones, a lot of the ones that survived became retail 
outfits, right? So the same thing's going on in the Northeast United States, all over the world, really. But when, in my world, I, I use that comparison. I said, because when I think of Carnegie, I think of, what do you think of when you think of a sandwich from Carnegie, right? Or a big sandwich in a New York deli. Yeah. Yeah, big Reuben, right? Yep. Corned beef, pickled brisket. And then you think of Texas, you think, oh, smoked brisket. And if you had plenty of bad, not great smoked brisket, even in Texas, which it does exist, <laughs> it's not very, it's not as a, uh, your your chances of getting great brisket are much higher than than in you know other places of the world. But the 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 long and short of it is really paying attention to that side of uh, Texas and, and that root, the roots of our family. I realize people started over the past ten or eight years or seven years really have started trying to figure out oh Texas barbecue or Texas this Texas that you know it, it's you can claim it all you want but you gotta in my opinion you have to understand the history and the origin that East Coast barbecue, if you really wanted to get great at East Coast barbecue, you're going to the competitive circuit. And the media and the, you know, the, the common media, they didn't know where to show up at the big pig jig. I mean, people that know it know it. But you know, it's kind of like with NASCAR 25 years ago, 30 years ago. I mean, it was nothing compared to what it is now, right? It's when people start realizing what cult that was. You know, it, it's same with barbecue. So knowing Myron, I realized, the restaurants were always just kind of funny to me. A lot of me, caricature, not so much character. The pigs cooking this, pigs cooking that, pigs cooking pigs. You know, it was all this fun stuff. And I love all that. But then Texas, it started, you know, this element of, of real authority of their methodology started. I realized they were introducing that, that that was that was barbecue to them. They don't have a competitive circuit, really. Right. So Texas has these commercial you know, uh, butcher baker origins, everything outside of Texas, including Kansas City, Memphis, is comp competition circuit. And so I realized I was exposed to both, but the, the, you know, John Q. Public, you know, I was like, wow, man, that's a great story to start, you know, just kind of telling at Das Barbecue, getting a chance to call it that. People go, what's up with the name? And it really jumps into a history. You know, and not not a deep history. There's so much more history. That's just the Georgia and Texas barbecue history as I know it, in a nutshell. But it, but from a brand standpoint, from a from restaurant, from doing something that's not just a, you know, this is a hobby for my man. No, like this is my living. I got to see the value of having a strength in, in story, strength in authenticity, strength in genuine. You know, and, and I and I started out realizing, man, Georgia. If people ask, what's Georgia barbecue like, or what's Atlanta barbecue, I said, well, if you want to measure it, I would measure the winningest person in barbecue competitions who lives in Vienna, Georgia, or right outside of Vienna, right? So if you want to say that we're like anything, I would say others might be like us in Whole Hog. I mean, Myron owns it, right? So why would we say we're like anything else? And that became kind of my hell-bent position of yeah, man, we're not like the Carolinas. We're not like Alabama. We're not like Memphis. We're not like Kansas City. I love all of those, man. But Georgia, I mean, is, is whole hog to me. So others will argue with that, and everyone wants to defend their state and their and their turf. But the thing is, I've got two sets of turf that I can't really claim either one 100%, right? So I just uh, sit in the middle and tell the story and, and be glad that that I've got access to all this you know, rich history and, and and practical knowledge of barbecue with a dad who burnt every meat a hundred thousand times 
before he got it right. And so I, I appreciate the art behind it. <laughs> There's absolutely art. And I love what you said about, you know, building the brand, being authentic, you know, telling the story. It's so important, especially for, you know, branding purposes. Yes, branding takes a long, long time. And it's got, you have to have the consistent message, you know, every single day to make sure you're painting the picture that you want to paint, but you're right. Authenticity, authenticity, excuse me, authenticity being genuine. It's not very common much anymore, you know? And so I think by doing that in and of itself, you're elevating, you know, your brand, your restaurant above the rest. Here's a question that, that popped in my mind. You know, you're in, you're in Atlanta, major Metro area, a lot of competition, a lot of competition in Atlanta, right? Everybody's got the everybody's got the best barbecue in Atlanta, right? You know, you know. My question is, how do you go about separating yourself from everybody else out there to really carve out that that brand, that niche that you want to do? Yeah, I think the first thing I do is look at you know, forget about competition for a minute and forget about the media, forget about the noise, right? And in a lot of ways is just you know, getting past all of the the people, maybe, and all the ideas that, well, you can't do back, backyard barbecue commercially, and saying I disagree. You got you got to start with that position, in, in my opinion. So, where we started, you know, in, in Atlanta, if you think of Atlanta barbecue, and you were to say, and, and this is just this isn't a uh, a knock on anything. This is just a kind of a truth check is if you said Atlanta barbecue or Georgia barbecue or, you know, name your city, Augusta barbecue, right? And I were to ask you how many, uh, how many restaurants that you know of that are commercial barbecue restaurants, how many do you know of that are smoking every single day on some kind of a metal non-motorized machine, right? You, you, might, you might be able to, to, to mention a few or you may not be able to mention any, right? And I said, okay, well, to me, that's why we started Das Barbecue. I wasn't going out to Texas and hearing people brag about Atlanta barbecue, right? It's kind of a, I mean, seriously, you know, I, at first I was a lot more polite about it, but, but since some other people have decided that, hey, yeah, we got to use some, we got to use these barrels, like with somewhat frequency and not just do everything in a rotisserie, I'm not bashing anyone that does it that way. All that matters is what you like. But as a person who, realized I was challenged to say, hey, if you're going to preserve tradition and try to do it commercially, you're going to have to really plan this because it's real easy to buy a $25,000 machine, buy some wet wood, because that's the, that's the only kind you're going to get with any regularity unless you're out there picking it and storing it yourself and, and airing it and seasoning it. It's, you know, there's very few people that are going to do that in a city like Atlanta because it's not very lucrative, Right. Um, try to get someone to go pick up a truckload of, of pecans from South Georgia when the, when you know they have 800 trees that were down from the storm five, you know, four years ago. No one's going to do it. So to, so so if we're going to do this thing and do it like we do it in our backyard with wood that's seasoned that's that's proper that's been dried out, we're going to really put a lot of thought into it because most of the place that I know of. You know, even in Metter, where I'm from, I mean, I'm not going to name names, but. You know, seeing places that I loved going from brick pits and iron smokers to, you know, stainless steel rotisseries was, um, I mean, honestly, it was just really disappointing to me. And, and I, you and know, I, and I, but on the 
on the positive side, that got my father and myself much more interested in doing our own barbecue because there became fewer and fewer places that were actually even going to go pay for it because it was just inconsistent. It was gimmicky. And they were just, you know, they started changing the formula. And that'd be like Coca-Cola, you know, just re totally redoing their original formula. And it tastes nothing like, not. and, and I'm not talking about the new Coke campaign from 1983. I'm just saying it would be like something that you would revere that much. And like Apple trying to become pineapple, right? <laughs> or, uh, uh, you know, just name just name your favorite brand and then, and then think about it. So anyhow, that... To, in Atlanta, I realized if we're going to use barrel smokers, and we actually ended up building ours, although you can buy them a lot more. You know, there's a lot more places and fabricators that are doing smokers these days. And as you know, I mean, a lot of them out of Texas, but plenty of them in the, in the East Coast. If you're going to buy those and actually use them on a daily basis, then it has this barbecue restaurant has to be clan, you know, has to be planned very methodically, and we have to use design thinking. The type of thinking I got challenged to learn in the brand business with Sun and Sons, working with companies like Coca-Cola, Patagonia, Nike, Midtown Alliance, Buckminster Fuller, the, you know, great, you know, some of the amazing brands. If we wanted to become, from a method standpoint, as awesome as we, as an iconic brand that we style our lives after or my life after, I realized it was going to take a lot of work because, again, I quit buying barbecue in Atlanta because there's, I mean, why am I going to go? pay for something that I know someone's buying a wet piece of hickory, chopping it, sticking it in a blowtorch machine, you know, pressing a button, walking away for 18 hours. And, you know, that's okay for, you know, every now and again. Um, it was back then, but then I, started, I just started getting heartburn from it, you know, and I'll never forget. I mean, like going to, again, just choose some really famous places and then go and you go have their barbecue and you realize, wait, what this place, like I've been waiting my whole life to go here and, Again, you don't see that very much, and you do see some of it, obviously, in Texas. But, you know, everywhere outside of Texas, it seems like it, the rotisserie game uh, just became what people associated with barbecue. And so, you know, there, there's been a lot of, uh, I think, people, human knowledge about just because something tastes like campfire smoke, what we're trying to do and what we, I think, successfully are doing and others in Atlanta and others around the the East coast and people that get it, they're trying to educate the consumer that, Hey, that that's not, that doesn't equal great barbecue. I mean, you may love it and that's great. If that's what you love, cool, super cool. That has nothing to do. You know, it, that's all that matters at the end of the day is that you like it, but we're going to preserve the tradition, preserve the craft, preserve the art behind it. And we fire up barrel smokers. We happen to build ours. So we didn't do that to, you know, flash that, that, or, or fly that flag. We just did it because I couldn't get anyone to fabricate a smoker the way that I read about in Aaron Franklin's book nine years ago. when he put out, you know, some basic plans. I said, well, I'm not going to do that, but ended up getting my uncle to do it down at the farm with his, and he's got a robust welding kind of took off from there. So we realized, and if we're going to be different, that's it. I mean, that's it. It's a, that's a long answer to a simple question, but you can see some, there's been a couple of notorious, I mean, you know, barbecue restaurants that own other markets that have come into Atlanta and they fail because they're counting on some kind of a, a, a marketing and sales. I wouldn't say gimmick, but it basically boils down to, hey, if we're going to try to create a cooler atmosphere that we think people will be attracted to. 
But at the end of the day, even, even people in Atlanta and, and anywhere else, they're eventually going to support some kind of story, some kind of authenticity, and some kind of genuine effort around the craft of barbecue. Because, you know, we, by the way, we use rotisserie machines. Once we smoke our butts and brisket six to eight hours on the barrels every day, and proper fire management and a lot of maintenance behind it, right? Scraping out smokers, you know, like working in a coal mine sometimes. But to do that, we do, and then send them to bed at four o'clock every day in a rotisserie and Southern Prides after they're wrapped, after they don't, we don't need more smoke. We need even heat. And we don't want to pay people to try to stay up through the night with barrels. We're just not going to do that. We do use rotisseries. So there, we just decided, hey, th there's a hybrid approach to really keep it authentic, you know, and kind of part of our brand missions and our mission is in everything we do, you know, every decision we make, we're going to ask ourselves, does it preserve the tradition of our craft and does it embrace the future, embrace innovation where the two can, you know, can be in harmony and not in conflict. I love that. The hybrid approach I think is great, you know, and I love, you've talked about Aaron Franklin's book several times and I just finished reading it. So the timing is perfect. It's a phenomenal book. In fact, I'm myself working on trying to obtain a uh, a uh, spent propane tank that I can turn into what he built. Um, but I agree with you. I think that, you know, when I look at some of the best barbecue places in the country, maybe even the world, you know, the one thing that stands out to me is, well, two things. One, it's the consistency. And two, it's the it's the almost, like I would say, I think cult is probably the wrong word, but a very passionate fan base, very right. passionate. I mean, you think about, you know, you think about people waiting in line five hours to have, you know, lunch at Franklin barbecue in Austin or waiting five hours to go out to uh snow's barbecue, you know, right outside of right. Austin, you know, right. and, and in both those cases, they're doing exactly what you're talking about. You know, they're, they're shoveling hot embers into smokers. I mean, they're, I don't know that, Aaron uses rotisseries at all, but I never, I really have never thought about that hybrid approach. I think that makes a lot of sense because I tend to be very, I'm very much like you. I like the traditional approach, um, but I also want to be able to cook on any cooker that somebody puts in front of me. You know, if they put That's a right. pellet grill, I want to be able to cook on it. If they put a rotisserie, I want to be able to cook on it. And so, you know, the, the running joke at my house is, well, when are you going to start selling some of these smokers? Because you keep buying them and now we're running out of room <laughs> in the garage. Um, but you know, to your point, I mean, a lot of folks think they know what great barbecue is, but then when they actually have great barbecue, they're, they're just completely speechless almost. They just don't know what, they don't know what to say. So yeah. I love that. I love the fact how you're balancing that with the brand. Uh, and I will say that I think a lot of folks in barbecue miss the branding aspect of it, especially competition teams they absolutely miss the branding aspect of it um and that is for me anyway and, and probably for you just one thing i refuse to get to get uh, to lose i mean if we that's something we can control we can control consistency of our posting and our pictures etc so anyway you talked about you know I, I think the saying that you just said was you know basically uh preserving the past but looking forward to the future or something along those lines that wasn't exactly what yeah. you said, but it was something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. Let's camp out on the future for a second. So yeah. you're building this brand in Atlanta. You've obviously established yourself now as one of the best barbecue places there, which is saying something, right? Um, because this is a big city. There's a lot of other places people could go. 
what what's on the horizon? What do you guys see in terms of, you know, what what's the future look like for DOS Barbecue? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And it's kind of a broad question. So I'll I'll kind of rewind half a second. So I, I gave you our kind of our mission statement. I'm a big Simon Sinek fan, um, where he, you know, talks about brand. It really, it really, it's kind of it's really just psych psychology, but talking about the world that, that we live in, you know, what they always talk about what they do, you know, what's next or whatever, you know, what, what is the product? What is the product? Tell me what the product is. Tell me what the price is. Well, I think nowadays we're kind of sick of hearing. I mean, especially nowadays I hear so much what, 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 that we try to tune that out. Right. And Simon's approach was rather than talk about what you do, you know, why don't you try to talk about maybe how you do it, which is what we just talked about. Right. How, how, do, how are we venturing to the future? But to understand what we're doing in the future, I'll just you know share with you our our why statement. So why we do what, what we do at DOS Barbecue, how we're going to try to do it, and doing. So I'm just kind of reversing it a little bit. And I'm not, I'm not, this is not original in that regard. I'm I'm taking that from you know a person who speaks on leadership and organizational growth and excellence, you know, from, from that standpoint. So I most of what I tell you or most of what I speak, none of this is original, right? I mean, very little of it is original. Even how we smoke barbecue. I mean, let's not let's not um, let's not all kid ourselves that in the commercial world. Until Aaron Franklin put out the book, not very many people knew how to do brisket to the way that we we expect it now. Okay, it's just a simple fact. He is you know, make no mistake. He made he made all the secrets available. If you if if you read that book backwards and forwards like I did, and I know you will, he gives it all to you. <laughs> you just have to kind of put together the pieces, but. So, so to answer to answer your question, we we decided at DOS Barbecue, what are what are we trying to do? Like, why are we getting out of bed every day? And it became a two-part answer. It was there's a lot of imagination, a lot of creativity in the barbecue world, but we want to help commercially. You know, we want to help, we want to help reimagine the barbecue experience, right? And hyphen, the second part of this is and make it accessible to everybody. So reimagine what it can be. Uh, even if that's dropping a trying to drop something that's as much of an experience as Salt Lake is, but is with as much passion and integrity as Franklin Barbecue is, and drop it right in the middle of the heart of you know a mile from the Capitol in Atlanta. To us, that's reimagining it. People come in there, they go, "It's like a backyard, like with fire pits and a shipping container stand." So you know, part of answer questions, okay. Well, we're always, we're trying to reimagine what we do. And a lot of our peers, you know, from Fox Brothers, Heirloom, Old Brick Pit, man, uh, you got uh, Sweet Auburn, I mean, you got 441 South, you got all these amazing people, man, uh, Community Barbecue. I'm just, I'm naming all of my heroes that are, that have just, are paving the future here. Um, these are, you know, we, we are fortunate to call them peers at this point, but, you know, we still look up to them for, for help in answering that too. But I think, we really got hell bent on. Yeah, let's let's reimagine what's possible. Let's reimagine the experience, and also provide the food. And I think that's what blows people away sometimes. Is yeah, I knew it was going to be cool, but man, the food, the food, the food, the food. But we have to watch out too because people get used to that experience, and it becomes a two part challenge on consistency, right? Which is right. It's it's and that's a real business challenge, and it'll bury us if we're not careful. So. Uh, reimagine the barbecue experience, make it accessible to everybody. In other words, it can be clean and barbecue. It can be refined and cool. 
It doesn't have to be one or the other. It's a hybrid. Everything we do, and that bleeds into what we're going to do, right? Preserve the past, embrace the future. Make it, you know, make make people that want to feel the iron and the grit and the, and the mud, you know, make them feel that they got all that in the smokehouses that we got. You walk through our smokehouse cathedral. It's, it's huge at Memorial, our second store. It's so fun. But also have the place where if you're driving down the road, you, you look at, the, at Das Barbecue and go, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. That that looks like a place that has clean bathrooms. And yeah, we do. I mean, that's that was the point. Preserve the past, embrace the future, right? Look in our smokehouse. You're going to know that we we embrace that in some kind of fashion because we're not just we we, we keep a cord to two cords of you know see you know seasoning wood on each premise. So you're going to know that we're not just doing it for show, or you hope we're not doing it for show. There's a lot of wood to be stolen if we're not keeping our eyes on it, right? So what are we going to do in in that vein to keep it authentic? To keep it keep it accessible to keep reimagining it and it's there we're not reinventing anything but we really went you know there's not much more in the in the east coast side of the you know how do we sell barbecue that became much of a you know what are we going to do to 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 uh, expand the cuisine but if you go to you know yeah you, know, you kind of go you you have the option of going to country fried steak and pot roast and, and meat and three and a lot of people do that really successfully and that's super cool but that's really heavy and what we're trying to do is you know, find a cuisine type with using the smoked meats that we do because we can push out a bunch of authentically smoked meat more more than I care to admit probably it just preparation for the future but look to the Texas side of things and what do you think of when you think you've seen places like Schleuders and, and others and and by the way you know others around uh, Atlanta do this I mean Fox has done a great job with Foxeria del Sol you know they they're constantly offering a Tex-Mex style you know special or cuisine and uh, that's when you look back and you, and you understand the history of the Texas side, and they're both from Texas. My great great grandfather, just side note, he was a blacksmith, became a weapon builder, and um, for Houston went and was uh, his little blacksmith shop is where they drafted the, the Constitution, of Texas in eighteen thirties. Wow. So you know we've got that that lineage. We you know I didn't you know I've spent a lot of time in Texas, but you know Jonathan and Justin, they're from Texas. They they lived there. And so we, we, you know, we, they embrace that and we embrace it because in, if you travel out there, you know, Tex-Mex, there's Tex-Mex, but then there's also barbecue Tex-Mex where you use the smoked meats for that same cuisine. And there's little nuances that make it Tex-Mex. So we've been talking about, hey, how do we do that and not bastardize the brand or not confuse the audience and this, that, and the other. So look no further than going back to Sun and Sons and say, hey, we've got a brand challenge. We know what cuisine we want to do. It will opportunity to have a smokehouse and then nearby have two or three or four outposts that are maybe shipping containers maybe they're breweries they're places where we can take the food mm. you know uh and i know that you know we all I, I unfortunately know the health code better than i care to as far as what you can do with pop-ups and mobile units and things like that texas people get confused because they see texas operating as really you know you can't do the th the things from a health from a food standpoint health from the health department in Georgia that you can in Texas because of the way that it's regulated. So we have to be really cautious on how we do that. But once you understand how to do it, the idea is, okay, we can take all, we can have a, a castle, we call it. You know, they have Texas temples. I said, we're, we're going to build Georgia castles, right? We've got a few of them in Atlanta now that have been around longer than a decade, but that that's kind of a new thing. So <clears throat> Tex-Mex, Das Cantina, like really embrace the, the South Central, South Texas, 
story behind Tex-Mex, which really the term itself comes from the Texas-Mexican Railway that separated the border in 1839 and going to say, okay, what's up with with the the origin of that? When did it first start becoming used in a culinary standpoint? What's the story? And man, there's this whole story there that's so cool. I can't wait to introduce it. We just had our first download with Wade Thompson and his team at Sun and Sons. We are blessed to have that as a you know, he's, he has a lot of sympathy on, on me because he knows I can't pay for uh, for that kind of brand service. But in, in all seriousness, the first rounds of that visual identity and what it's going to be and where we're going to do it. We've already got our first two outposts here in Atlanta. And um, it's going to in in the food using our smoked meats that you, know, you get 22 hours of smoke and cook for both the brisket and the, the pork and everything beneath that. It's just a natural you know, kind of home run. Uh, but again, it's a restaurant challenge. We got to make sure we 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 manage it correctly. And uh, it's got to be consistent. It's got to be fresh. It's got to be, we're not trying to be like, you know, taqueria this or Mexican that. We're not trying to be like everybody else. We're just doing what is a natural progression of what our family does out in Texas and what we do here with Evers. So. I think you're exactly right. And, and something I wanted to point out uh, for our listeners, you know, if you're on Instagram, Follow Das Barbecue. It's Das underscore BBQ. But one of the things that that I thought was pretty neat is if you if you follow them on Instagram, you'll see as soon as you pull up that profile, smoked meats and fresh sides every day, no freezers or fryers, family built barrel smokers, and commercial rotisserie finishers, Georgia and Texas heritage. So it's all right there. I mean, it 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 you know it's it's a very you know congruent theme from. From you know our discussion, but even on your even on your social media presence, I think that's that's uh, that's important to have, you know. And I think that you're absolutely right. In the day in in today's world, you know, it seems like just my amateur observation. I don't own a restaurant. That is the next progression for me. You talked about progression. That's my next progression. Um, yeah. But I, from my observation, it seems like a lot of these restaurants just are so focused on quantity that quality falls off. And I can, I can somewhat understand that. I just, I, to me, I'd much rather take the approach of, Hey, look, we're going to cook, you know, X amount of brisket. And when it's gone for the day, it's gone. (laughs) And and if that's at one o'clock in the afternoon, okay. If that's at 11 o'clock in the morning, okay. Um, you know, because that's the one thing I've noticed, you know, some of these places and I'll, and anytime I go to a a barbecue restaurant around here, I always ask them like, Hey, can I talk to the pit master? Can I see the pits? You know, blah, 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 blah. And I always ask how much curious, how much meat you cooking every day, you know, answers all over the place, but three, four, 5,000 pounds of meat a day there, unless you have a staff of 30, uh, people, I don't see how you can keep the quality on that much meat to the, at the level that you want it, you know, and, you know, I think just, I know we mentioned Aaron Franklin several times, but, you know, reading his book and then listening to you speak about him just made me realize that, you know, that it, it, the model, I can kind of see a very similar model that you're building, uh, that Aaron's building, um, you know, somewhat because Aaron's all about, you know, preserving the past and he's got the big propane, you know, cookers and six of them or whatever many it is. And, so yeah, I think I just think that's that's the, the the congruency that you have amongst you know b- between you know the discussion and your social media. I think is is something to uh, 
something to point out. And I think that it's in, it's important for listeners who are in, you know, interested in starting up a, a restaurant or a food truck or some sort of barbecue brand to take note of that, because you certainly don't want to be like, like everybody else. And while I'm on that note, Make sure for our mm-hmm. listeners, you know, you, you take some time to follow Das Barbecue. Again, it's Das underscore BBQ on Instagram. It's Das BBQ on Facebook. DasBBQ.com is their website. You can check that out there. Uh, last question I had for you, uh, Stephen, just before we wind down a bit, really has to do with some words of wisdom. Uh, kind of like <laughs> to end the show on on words of wisdom. And most times, you know, when we have a, when we have a competition team on here, we're talking about words of wisdom for teams starting up and et cetera. But you know, this is a little bit different. You're 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 a restaurateur, uh, for lack of a better term, if that applies. I don't I don't know the technical definition of a restaurateur, but it sounds good. No, I'm a I'm a I play with fire. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I respect restaurateurs. There you go. <laughs> Pitmaster is probably a better word. But but for those that that you know have that passion, have that fire of of barbecue, you know, have that history of barbecue that say to themselves, Hey, I want to do this thing, I want to start up my own restaurant. What are some words of wisdom you'd have for them? Man, that's a great, really great question. I think um, I, I would challenge them to 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 be crystal clear on why they're doing it. Be able to articulate, you know, take the read the book. Start with why. As far as if there's just one piece of wisdom that I learned was if I could get really clear about why we were going to be doing this, and then I could say, okay, well, that's going to inform how we're going to do this. And eventually what we did, I realized it could be barbecue, it could be picking apples, it could be whatever, that, that a foundation of any great thing or any great movement, any great anything in my in my world starts with getting a real, real clear purpose of why am I doing this, right? Because if the answer is just to make a bunch of money, it would be a lot easier to go buy Subway franchises. I mean, literally, it's just not, <laughs> that's not a good answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's just not, but if you, but, but, but you can make a lot of money. I mean, again, like I would have never tried this had it not been for the heroes of barbecue I talked to you about and to see like, wow, man, you, we, I can actually make a living at this, but I don't have to work really hard because those, those people work really hard, men and women, uh, husband, wife teams here. And sure enough, it gave me the, um, it gave me the, uh, the courage to try it. So I would say get real clear on why you're doing it um, would be that first part of that, that piece of, of wisdom that I was challenged to do. And then ask for help. You know, something that hospitality people, we have a real hard time asking for help and finding people that are willing to give it all away. Just like, I mean, whether, you know, regardless of your opinion on, on Aaron Franklin, you got to get around people that are giving it away because they want the craft to succeed and to be authentic as best as possible in their lifetime and lifetimes after. So that's, you know, figure out why you're doing it and then the rest will follow and, um, and, and get the right mentors and they can ask for help. Because like in the, in the world, the world of the restaurateurs, these men and women love to give back. The right men and women love giving back. So stay close to them and, and you know, steer away from people who act arrogant in that world. Cause you're not going to learn anything. You're just going to get discouraged. That is a powerful, powerful way to end the show. One of the, probably one of the best ways in the show I've had as of late. So you hit the nail right on the mm-hmm. head, stay authentic, use some mentors, ask for help. You know, don't be afraid to, to admit when you're wrong, preserve that tradition, which I think you're doing a phenomenal job of. 
And um, yeah, I've enjoyed the discussion. Again, our listeners, DOS Barbecue, we're talking with Stephen Franklin. He's the pitmaster and founder. Check him out, DOS underscore BBQ on Instagram, DOS BBQ on Facebook, and DOSBBQ.com online. Stephen, appreciate it as always. And uh, thanks for the discussion. Thanks a lot, Kurt. I appreciate you, man. Uh, carry on. And thanks for uh, promoting this uh, wonderful art. Thanks so much for listening to The Barbecue Life. Share this episode with a buddy who loves barbecue or is just starting to get into it. Follow us for more on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Talk to you next time. Keep calm and smoke on.